The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to Intuitive Connection. Today, we have a guest, and it's someone I'm really, 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 really excited to share with you. Our guest, Ian Haycroft, is a kinesiologist and a mentor based in Australia, Ian has international relief and business experience spanning more than four decades and has combined this experience with his kinesiology work over the past 20 years. Ian and his wife, Kim, raised their six children while living in the United States, China, New Zealand, and Australia. Ian's focus these days is to assist people in the discovery of who they really are and to bring that discovery into their everyday life. Oh, I love that last little bit. Now I'm even more excited to have you here. Ian, welcome. Thank you. Good to meet you. Yeah, likewise. And we were brought together uh, by our mutual friend, acquaintance, Lisa McCourt, and I heard your interview on her show and I was like, can you make me an introduction? That would be a great one to have. And we've had some applied kinesiologists or different modalities on the show, but tell me and the listeners a little bit about what you do specifically. Yeah, happy to. I often describe what I do as I use the muscle testing technique of kinesiology, because I think there's probably a lot of applied kinesiologists who would say, oh, you're not really a kinesiologist. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fine with me. It's words. Yeah. So I use a muscle testing technique to ask people's mind and bodies what's going on, right? And it's really based on a very simple idea that everything that we've ever experienced in our life physically chemically, emotionally, and energetically, it's all recorded. Yeah. And it's recorded in our cells and in the energy that gives life to the cells. So that's a lot of information. So very wisely, we're designed to actually store that in what's called the unconscious, which is a great system because you would not want to be aware 24-7 of everything that ever happened to you. It's too much information. So We record, you know, the tip of the iceberg is what we think it is. The rest of that iceberg is unconscious records and experiences. And most of that's filed perfectly well. Even some of the really hard things in life, they're filed just fine. But there are some things that would appear that influence our lives. Well, our unconscious influence our our lives greatly. Uh, There are some elements that, that appear to influence our life towards difficulty or what feels like difficulty. So really, I just work with people using a muscle test uh, and a very simple system to get as specific as possible about what might be interfering with what's going on in their life. 
and um, help them release it. And I always say to people when I work with them, I'm not the healer. They are. Right. We share that a lot on the show. Yeah, that's cool. So I often say I'm the traffic cop. I just know how to use a muscle test. And the muscle test, really, it's your system with a strong response. Because a lot of people have already experienced muscle testing in a lot of osteopaths and chiropractors and people like that these days, naturopaths use muscle testing, right, as part of their uh, package of, you know, things they use. And energy psychology, EFT, which I'm trained in, uses yeah. muscle testing. It's pretty common now. I even teach it when I teach intuition development because it's it's yeah. a really easy way for some people to get in touch with their inner knowing. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes people get challenged because these days I do it all online, right? I've got clients all over the world these days, right, doing it on Zoom. And they go, how does this happen? You know, how can you reach through and muscle test my arm? So, I, you know, I say, look, we're just energy. We are energy. And with their permission, I ask them if I can test their system using my muscle system and I do it, you know, a, a muscle test. And I always tell them what's going on. It's not, it's not magic. It's sometimes magical, right. feels magical, but it's actually really logical. The system is just saying with a strong response, I'm okay with this, and a weak response, I'm not okay with this. Something's not in balance. So Right. You said a lot there, and I'm really glad you started with muscle testing. That's what you do, so that's why you started with it, because I have a lot of specific questions on muscle testing in general, and I do want to get to the energy storage unconscious trauma piece too, because that's probably the heart of what you do. But the muscle testing is something that I've been trained in that I absolutely cannot do. I absolutely can't do it. It completely doesn't work for me, not even a little bit. Even with all of my um, spidey sense and all that good stuff, I cannot muscle test. And I know energy is everywhere. And I have a friend who is very kindly, because I had a medical crisis last year where I became very sensitive to a lot of things that I was taking. And I have a dear friend who muscle tests everything for me every morning. <laughs> she, she could probably stop now, but um, every morning she's like, uh, take this dose of this and this dose of this. And it's very comforting to me, but I can't muscle test for myself. So my first question out of the gate is any ideas why that is? What are some of the limitations that people might have on muscle testing? I mean, there's many other things that I can do, but muscle testing is not among them. Yeah. And it's actually not that unusual, right? Okay. I think it's just a skill. You know, it's a learnable skill. But it comes naturally to some people and not to others. And I think often, you know, because you're intuitive, right? And so am I, right? So often I'll work with people and I'll know what's coming before it right. comes. But I'll muscle test just to, you know, test it, just to give them comfort in a sense to say, you know, I'll test whatever it is. So what that says to me is that the energy that flows where the muscle test testing is strong or a weak is the movement of energy, yeah? Right. So there are lots of other ways to test the movement of energy. So, um, you know, do I know exactly why you can't do it? No, I can muscle test <laughs> <that one. laughs> oh, I realize this is recorded and everyone listening might not want that answer, but you don't yeah. know how badly I do. Now, I mean, I can feel shifts in energy. I work remotely on people's bodies with my very own hands and yeah. people will notice results. I just moved across country and I just taught my favorite um, body worker how to do that on me. And this morning she was working on me and I was like, oh, are you on my jaw right now? And she's like, how do you always know when I move my hands? You know, so I, you know, both ways, I know it's a thing because I've experienced it in both directions and muscle testing is the same thing, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're just tuning into someone else's energy system from afar, but you can still feel into that. Just like I can still, people will come for an intuitive reading and they'll be like, 
how can you read me if I'm not in the room? And, and I don't mean to laugh when, when they say it, because I'm like, well, how do you think I read you when you are in the room, right? It's, I'm reading your energy. It doesn't matter where you are. So. Yeah. And I, and I say to uh, everyone I work with, look, my goal is not for you to see me forever. You know, my goal is for you to get to the point where you know exactly what's going on and you can um, work on yourself and it doesn't require a muscle test. Right. Do you find when you're muscle testing, because this was the case for me, I remember a long time ago, one of my first teachers, she's an osteopath and she doesn't really muscle test. I actually have no idea what she does. She puts her hand on your head and she gets some information. Mm. I've never asked her what her experience is, but it's similar. And, you know, she used to also test all of my supplements and all of my things for me. And one day she said, you know, this was early on. I didn't even really know what she was doing. You know, I didn't, I didn't know intuition, but she was starting to try to give me those breadcrumbs. And she's like, you always know before I tell you. Hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, no, no, there's always a moment that, you know, before I tell you, you don't actually need me to do this for you. And I'm still getting it done. So clearly that memo is, has not fully arrived, but do you find that sometimes that just as you know, before that, you know, your clients kind of know too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think for me, the muscle testing is just a beginning point. It's just an introduction, a way to pinpoint what's going on, but it's actually the person themselves that knows, you know, I can muscle test and, and I use a system with charts and, and I pick particular words, right? Well, words don't describe reality. They're just words, right? But often I'll say a word like humiliation, for example, as, as an emotion that often people will carry unconsciously, the fear of humiliation, right? And many times people will start crying. Right. So I often say to people, you'll know when we hit pay dirt. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not me, it's you. So, and the word is only just a faint connection to it, right? So the word is often described as like a, a diving board, a springboard into what's really going on. And then that person will, you know, then get insights and experience something I think really important that I only just started with just a, you know, use the word breadcrumb, just a breadcrumb that helps them access something that they haven't been previously able to access. Yeah. And I was thinking about something today out of my walk, which feels relevant to this conversation. The same friend that was doing her funky energy work on me today was asking her while we were talking about a dream that I had. And it was so interesting because, I mean, I think I'm pretty in touch with my dreams and I had a whole interpretation going and she intuitively came up with something that was totally out of left field, totally different than I would ever have thought. But once she said it and I sat with it a little bit, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I was thinking about the fact, you know, what you do, what I do is sometimes we need somebody else to, you know, give us that, oh my God moment, because when you're in it and you're just rehashing that same pattern over and over again in your mind, you know, sometimes you need someone else who's not in it to say, no, wait, you know, you're looking right, but the answer is over there. It's on the left. But in the moment that somebody points it out, you're like, oh. Yeah, now I know. It brings you back to your truth. I mean, I think that's what any true healer or helper does is just, you know, wakes you up a little bit and brings you back to, oh, you know, that insight, which sometimes we just can't find on our own because if you're really in it, you're usually just chasing your tail. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, in our life, we've built a lot of stories just to cope, really. Um, you know, so the, you know, what I would call, lots of people call the small self or the ego self, um, is desperately working during our lives to figure out how the heck this works, this life thing, you know, and 
we have experiences that often like are too hard, right? So we we have to come up with some story to explain to ourselves and give us some avenue to walk down, right? And often that leads to suffering, but we're doing our best, you know. Right. I think as people get better and better, it, recognizing what's a story and what's more essential, that's the key thing, right? So I feel often I'm just initially helping people to go, that's a story. See that story, that fear that you have is based on this story, based on that experience. And if you think about it, it's perfectly logical. It's just not true, right. but it's incredibly logical and and probably helped you through some really difficult things. Now's the time that you don't need it, right? So that I think as people begin to discover that fewer and fewer of the stories they need, then we get to live without stories, yeah. you know, without the made-up stories that aren't true. Right. Or without stories at all, or with stories that you put out there because they make you feel good, but you're not like hanging on to them for dear life, yeah, right? right? You have a story and you're like, I like this one. This one feels good. I'm going to wear this for a while. And then you change your clothes, you know, or you you change it up. But I, I think that's such a beautiful way that you put it because when we have these, you know, kind of trauma-based stories, they are coping mechanisms and they do wonderful things, but they're, you know, we then generalize them to everything else about life where they don't apply anymore. Yeah. And that's, I think, where they become limiting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They just, you know, people come to people like you and me because the story stopped working, right? They they go, right. something <laughs> is really wrong here. I don't know what it is. You know, I, I often have the experience where I'm usually the last cab on the rank that people go to, right? It's like, I'll, I'll ask people sometimes, so how'd you get to hear about me? And they'll go, I heard about you from this person or that person. And to do with this issue i've been to this doctor and that and you know i've been to so many places and then you know they finally got to the weird guy at the end yeah <laughs> but i think that's something that's you know happens a lot i know that was sort of my journey i mean i didn't have to go that many steps but <laughs> but it was you know it was a couple it was a couple and i do feel more and more like when people are at their wits end and i've had people come to me and like why are you looking for an intuitive counselor cuz i've tried everything else and now I'm ready to see what else is out there. And I do think that that's a path for a lot of people where you've kind of given up the illusion and you know it's not working and you're just anything help. And then you're willing to to go out of the box a little bit. Yeah. I get a lot of people that just are already out of the box, though, I got to say. <laughs> yeah, no, no, me too. Me too. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, there's plenty of suffering to go around. It's true. It's true. I always say though, I have the joy of often preaching to the choir, which I do not mind at all. I do not mind it at all. It's a beautiful choir and, and I love singing with them. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. All right. All I get is what else do you want listeners to know? We'll we'll patch that in later, but that's the question I'm getting from my guides. <laughs> like you have an agenda. What's What's the next thing you want to talk about? And I'm usually never at a loss for words, just so you know. <laughs> but clearly they want to follow your plan. 
Well, it's funny because before we started, I was sitting and asking for guidance to, you know, as to what to say or, what, you know, and of course, I think I get the kind of guidance that maybe you get, which is just shut up and let go, right? So Yeah, that's that's just my lifestyle. That's just my, my lifestyle. Yeah, I, I do have something in the sense that, you know, more and more these days, I feel that the most important thing for people to do in their lives is to discover who they are to really discover who they are. And I'm just one of many possible stopping places to learn a bit more. So for me, it's not about, oh, you know, look at me, I'm such a great kinesiologist. It's really more, what can I do to really authentically help people see that they are divine, that they're infinite awareness, and actually that's what's really important. Because my experience is that when you really get that, when you experience that deeply, it changes everything. Uh, it doesn't mean you stop suffering. It doesn't mean you don't have challenges in your life. It doesn't mean any of those. I was reading this morning, you know, a Zen koan, which is before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After right. enlightenment, chop, chop wood, wood, carry, carry water. water. <laughs> right, same. So we still get to chop wood and carry water, live our lives, take care of our children, earn a living, all of those things. But the place from which we do that is the most important thing. So I feel more and more these days that what I try to do is just help people discover that's who they really are. And then they have a, well, it's much more than a tool. It's a, it's an experience from which they can then reinterpret so much of what happens <laughs> in life, in their lives, in relationships, in you name it. And uh, it gives them, well, it gives them, the most important thing, which is the discovery of who I am. Yeah. So I am awareness, you know, <laughs> which is uh, amazing. But what you said is really important. And I think it's a big component of what we call healing when we're doing it right. When we have that expanded awareness, we understand that we're not our stories. We understand that we're not our pain. We understand that we're not our suffering. We understand all those things are part of human experience. They're just not who and what we really are. When we even have the little glimmer of understanding of that, because it can start very small, but small is enough, right? Yeah. Even if it's just a little light through the keyhole, we start to understand everything about our lives differently and everything about our lives, you know, throughout history, really, you know, because I believe that we don't just get one body, we'll transform and change because each time we hit another level of awareness, the guides say, or they're saying, open the aperture a little bit more. Yeah. we're going to see things differently. And that's a magical thing. And that's the process, they say, of enlightenment. And it's also the process of what we call healing. They don't love the word healing for me right now. So I always play with that. But just because healing, I think up until now for some, definitely not for you, uh, but for some is this idea of fix me, I'm broken. And um, nothing could be further from the truth right? Yeah. And look at the human body, the human energy system, nothing could be further from the truth. It's miraculous, right? You know that from what you do, it's miraculous what our bodies and our energy systems, you know, do for us. Yeah. I mean, constant miracle, right? I mean, and yeah, I always say to the people I work with, right? There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with the essential you. Of course, uh, I, I don't mean that to mock them. I say, you are you're suffering. I'm not. I'm not saying to you that suffering is not important, right? But you, the essential you, there's nothing wrong, right? right? So from there, let's work on whatever this is 
that appearing for whatever reason it's appearing. And in the end, whether it appears to get better or not is actually not the most important thing. But that's hard to say to people because many times people, really hurting and they're they're stuck in something very painful yeah they want they want to get better yeah (laughs) they want to feel good yeah which is totally okay and and but my experience is that the more that people can begin to understand who they really are they actually begin to get better of course or they can totally reinterpret what's happening to them so that it appears to be less suffering than it has been Exactly. Well, the interesting question is, if you could feel good exactly how you feel now, would that be okay? Yeah, yeah. And it amazes me because not everyone says yes to that. You know, some people, but, 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 but I'm like, no, wait, you know, maybe you feel that you're hundred pounds overweight, but if you could feel good right now, good with yourself, isn't that enough? Isn't that what you're looking for by losing a hundred pounds? Yeah. Right. And that kind of gets at that paradox in that what you really want is to feel good just as you are now. And when you feel good, just as you are now, and you feel good about yourself, the healing tends to take care of itself. Right. It just yeah. tends to happen naturally, but that's not really what we want. Human beings have been caught that our well being taught rather, but caught is actually a good word. So we'll leave them both in there into believing that the external conditions right? Are where our happiness lies. And so we got to fix this and we got to do that and we got to tweak this and then we'll feel good. Yeah. But that's that's the greatest lie of, of humanity, right? Because the goodness can be anywhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you look, look at our world, it's full of suffering of grasping after this and pushing that away. And, you know, the Buddha was right, right? You, if you want to suffer, grasp onto things or push things away. Right. You just need to accept what is, right? And again, I I'm always careful when I talk with to people like sure. that. I don't want to, them to feel like, you know, I'm wagging my finger and say, stop doing that. You know? Right, yeah. Stop being attached <laughs> to your pain. You should just <laughs> like it. I know that's yeah. not what this, I can see the love in his eyes. That's not, that's not what you mean. And and sometimes we have to love the part of ourselves that isn't loving the part of ourselves that isn't loving the part of ourselves that is not loving what's happening right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's fine. That is a great place to start. That's exactly where you need to be. And if you, for a minute, forget that, then you love the part of yourself that forgot. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I mean, there's so many examples, right? I mean, I often work with people who are desperately looking for the the one who will love them, you know, who they can spend their life, which is beautiful. And I think yeah. we're absolutely designed to do that. But you know, I lived in the States for 20 years, and and it's a saying in the States that is not used in Australia, right, which is we, we get it asked backwards, right, which is <laughs> like I need to find somebody who's going to make me feel loved. It's right. totally backwards, right? No, yeah. I need to recognize that I am love, and then let's see who we attract. Yeah, exactly. But again, easy to say, easy to say. Of course it needs to be said, but it also, I think, part of what's important is to allow people to experience that, right? Because as people begin to experience more that they are love, actually they don't need to hunt for it anywhere. It's actually the absolute essence of who they are, right? But again, to someone who's not experiencing that, that that just sounds like, you know, a really poorly designed Hallmark card, right? Yeah. You are love itself. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, it's true. Pay your money. You are love yourself, right? It it takes, you know, we've got to work 
towards so that people can actually experience it. And when people do experience it, as you say, sometimes it's just a glimpse through the mirror or, or a glimpse through the window, right? Right. But that glimpse, it doesn't let you go. It doesn't right. let so, you go. And it keeps expanding because you have the glimpse and you know, once you know it, it feels like you don't unlearn that. You may forget it. You might pretend like it didn't happen, you know, but it's there. It's there forever. And if you keep focusing on it and letting it be there, it will expand. It will expand and it will never go away. You know, I have a teacher and she always says like, enlightenment doesn't work backwards. <laughs> like each step you take, you can't unenlighten yourself. And sometimes I'm like, really? Because I've seen people. It sure looks like they are, but they're not. They may be living a little more in ego, but the seed can't be unplanted. It can't be unplanted. And usually once we plant that seed, it takes fruition. It just does, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really uh, love David Hawkins' work and writings, right? In one of his talks, he talks about, he said, God has a fishing rod and you're hooked and you're being reeled in. It's inevitable. You will become totally awake it's absolutely impossible not to be so give up (laughs) yeah and in fact it's already happened you're just not aware of it yet but just so you know you were born awake and you're gonna die awake and everything in between it's just you just haven't opened your eyes all the way yet that's right but the borg were right right resistance is futile (laughs) yeah yeah it's coming it's here yeah no i love that All right. I'm getting um, a prompt to shift the nuts and bolts of your work, mostly because I'm curious, but also because when I tune into your energy and I kind of see you talking, the image that I have, and I don't have any clue what you do. So you'll have to explain this to me if I'm even (laughs) what I'm picking up, but it's almost like, I don't know if you do this on purpose. It's almost like you have your fingers in people's energy fields. Does that resonate with you what I'm talking about? Or um, are the guides showing me something that you do that you don't know that you do? (laughs) <laughs> that's always possible right. <laughs> i trust them you know i use the muscle testing technique i use i use my my fingers like this right i'm showing right. you people can't see that right but i just use one finger against another it's one muscle system resisting another right right yeah that one of the ones that doesn't work for me i know that one go ahead yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i've tried them all i use that right and it is testing people's energy right so and I do say to people, even if I'm talking to someone in California, right, well, distance is just a concept, right? Time and space is a concept that we need for living in this world. But um, energetically, we connect with each other. Our energies are connected, right? So so I don't know about fingers, but, you know, we are absolutely connected uh, energetically. And so, therefore, we feel we experience each other, right? now. Again, I often say this to people, the only difference between you and me is, and not in your case, it's not true, but you in my clients, I'll go, I've just practiced it. I've just practiced. So when I feel something many, many years ago, I would have gone, well, that's weird, but I don't know what that is, right? Now I go, okay, now I can feel what's going on with you, right? I can feel much of what that person is experiencing. Right. And I can just say, look, this is what I'm experiencing. What's that, right? And they'll know. Right? And I think often they're really surprised, like, wow, how do you do that? Well, actually, we're we're all capable of that. We can all do that. It's just some of us, you know, practice it more and become more adept, but it's really a skill or it's a gift or a reality for all of us, right? Right. Maybe many of your listeners who are, who are intuitive as well, right? I have to be careful if I go to a mall, 
I have to really get myself ready to go to a mall, right? Because right. if I look into somebody's eyes, I get their life. You know? Right. Yeah, you have to learn how to have that boundary for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's okay, I, you know. But again, I, I always say it's not that I'm so special. It's just this is something I practice at, you know, and if I'm talking to a lawyer, they're really good at being, you know, lawyers because they practice every day. So right. it's, a, it's a skill, but we all have it. Right. And the way I think about it, and you may feel differently, I feel like we, when it comes to intuition, everybody has it. Everybody has it. You were born knowing how to do it, you know, and you're doing it even, what I've been shown is that we use our intuition all the time. We don't realize we're doing it. Our mind just takes credit if we're not open. So there's a lot of people that are brilliant and brilliantly using their intuition all the time. And they're just, they're making up another reason for why it's working. Um, and sometimes, you know, they're actually dumbing it down a little bit because they're either trying to talk themselves out of it or trying to justify it. But like anyone who's doing anything really well is tapped into their inner guidance. There's no other way to do it. But I also think that we all have gifts. We all have areas that come naturally to us, areas that we shine. When I first started to awaken my intuition, I could read people. I could read people I hadn't met. I could know all sorts of things about people. I realized I'd had that ability my whole life. I'd been doing it my whole life, right? Now, it's can I teach you to do it? Probably. Do you need to do it? Maybe, maybe not, right? And so I feel that we all have our proclivities. We all have our natural gifts. And you know, when I teach intuition development, I always say, start with what's working for you because that's where your soul shines. That's where you want to express. That's where you want to grow. And if you're working with someone like Ian and you're like, oh my God, I want to be able to do that. Chances are, I mean, sometimes we just want to do what our teacher does because we think, you know, we should do what they do because we've been taught that's how teaching works. It doesn't, right? It should mm. always awaken your own inner gifts. It shouldn't be copycat, even though that's, you know, unfortunately how our education system mostly works. When you're yeah. When you're talking about awakening your soul's gifts, not so much. But a lot of times, you know, you're drawn to something because it's it's latent within you and it wants to develop, which is beautiful. But I, I feel there's that balance between owning our unique gifts and allowing them to be awoken within us. You know, you don't have to look at what anyone else is doing. We all have them and it's different for everyone. And cracking the code of connecting with your intuition is learning how it's speaking to you and going from there. Yeah. And yours is speaking to you in a way that is perfectly aligned with your purpose and calling in your career and probably your life. And likewise, I think, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. It's working. So that's what I tell people. What the guides are showing me, and I just don't know if you're aware of this, but they're showing me that the way that you work, because it's so systematic where you kind of go through, like, I, I feel you go through like a list. You, they're showing me, I don't think you think of it that way, but it's like doors. It's like a flow chart and it's doors. This door opens, that door closes. This door opens, that door closes. Does this resonate with you? Absolutely, it does. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly how I work. Yeah. What they want you to know, if you didn't know this already, is that is energy work. So when you are going through and this door opens, this door closes, that you are actually in the process with the client of co recreating their energy. So it's even just that exploratory process with the amount of presence that you bring to the table. And most importantly, the amount of presence that you bring out in your client. Mm -hmm. The word that's coming through is curative factor. And that's what I'm seeing. It's almost like you're repatterning energy. It's so cool. And I just, I wasn't sure if you're aware your eyes are glowing. So you must be, but <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were aware that you do that. It's very cool. And probably your clients have no idea that's what's happening. Yeah, no, they don't in the sense that I don't describe it that way. You're, you're right. I usually don't describe it that way. It really depends a lot on who I'm working with. Right. So, 
Uh, I try to come to people where they're at, not where I think they should be at, right? Fair enough. And I really appreciate what you said, right? I often explain it like this. I'll say to people that, you know, we've stored all this information in our unconscious. Our unconscious is our best friend, just trying to protect us, right? And so I, I say, look, I might know all kinds of things about you and be psychic and say, Sim Salabim, here's what's going on. And their unconscious is going, who the hell are you? Right. <laughs> Why would I let anything go in front of you, right? right. So what I do with this, the system that you just described is I, I get more and more using the muscle test, use a really just a bunch of charts and get very, very specific so that ultimately we can in kind of, you know, my image is kind of standing in front of the unconscious and saying, okay, you know, this emotional doorway, that area of life, this particular kind of emotion at this age connected to this part of you and then the unconscious can go, you found it. Yeah. Thank goodness, you know, and we go through that process so that we can discover quite specifically. And so what often happens, and I think this is part of the energy work, energetically, we may open what looks like just one file in the unconscious. There's a whole bunch. It's kind of like a a lot of bats fly out. Yeah, yeah. And even going through that whole process, to me, it feels like it's just you're moving. Again, I know this is not what you're doing in your mind, but what they're showing me is, it's almost like Morse code, you know, it's like you're moving things around so the energy system can like go back to normal, can regroup, can recalibrate. You know, people yeah. often ask me, and I'm curious to get your answer to this. So I don't do it the way you you do it. I usually, my guys will just immediately show me or wherever the information comes from. Sometimes I'm not sure where it's coming from, but I will immediately get like, you know, what happened when you were seven or, you know, what you're dealing with now is because, you know, you were raised predominantly, you know, in an atmosphere of shame and shame is really big for you. Like I will just blurt it out. So yeah. <laughs> like if their unconscious is not letting me in, they will probably not be drawn to talk to me because I just, I just blurt it all out. But what I often find, not so much anymore, but I used to get early on is people would then say, okay, well, what do I do about it? And a lot of times it was done. You know, a lot of times it's just having that awareness and, you know, something has shifted. I'm like, oh, something shifted now. Like, you're good. You saw this. It's over. It's been released. And, you know, sometimes you may double down. Sometimes people tell themselves the story about, you know, I'm the person that this thing happened to when I was 12 with my dog. And, you know, so I I discourage people from going that way. (laughs) Um, But a lot of times it's just that work. It's just that awareness. It's just that recalibration and you're good. That's what needed to happen. And other things need to happen. You know, that'll be for the next time. So I want to know you're nodding, but I want to know what you think on that. I think like you do. (laughs) So I will often say just that to people, right? They go, so, okay, so now what do I do? Right. I go, relax. Yeah, it's it's done. It's over. <laughs> I go, relax and stop thinking. Right? Yeah. Because people will overthink, right? So I, I often kind of say to people, look, I call it contemplation. I go, sit with this, right? Because naturally they want to get a sense of, okay, I've got it. They will want to think about it and I don't want them to go, oh, thinking's bad. Thinking's fine. It's just not the way that this will get healed, right? It's just the movement of what is. We are designed to reintegrate and become balanced that's that's the nature of how we're created so you know i call it conscious awareness we become consciously aware you know i I often go the system goes finally finally." 
and it just does its thing, right? And often people want to get, you know, instant results or whatever. And I say, look, just relax, just relax and just notice what happens. Because I think sometimes, particularly if people have really buried some extremely painful traumas, then sometimes on the way out, it's wiping its feet. You know, it's yeah. like, and you feel it. And I go, it's just wiping the feet. It's, it's, right. it's just remnants of what's going out. So don't worry about it, right? Just notice it, breathe into it, just relax, you know. So right. I guess the other thing I'd want to say about it, and I, it was interesting because I, I was teaching somebody in Ireland, actually, <laughs> the other day. I was actually, I'm teaching them the technique, right? And they want to, you know, they want to go straight into, okay, show me how to muscle test, show me how to muscle test. Right? And I said, no, that's not the first lesson. <laughs> the first lesson is become love. Right. I have a process I go through where before I start and when I end a session is, and I do this to myself, not, well, the second one I do with the people, but I've got a place in my mind's eye that I've created, which is not in my mind's eye. It's an actual place, energetically speaking, where I've got my, guide mates and uh, my window to awareness and I go there and, and this happened about a year ago and I, I've been doing it for 20 years but about a year ago I walked in as I usually do to, I, I usually bow to my guides and to to God right and I say I'm about to start with this person you know it's a prayer it's just my right. way of prayer, right and uh, I had this vision where one of my guides ripped off my small self uniform right and threw it in the corner <laughs> i love it <laughs> leave it over there and i was i was just this light right and i think that's the most important thing about the work that you do and i do and i think yes. we can do or not just uh, everybody can do with each other the most important thing is do i really care about this person if it's just check me out i'm a really cool kinesiologist then forget it yeah, right. for sure. But I, I think it's even more than that, because you're not just describing letting go of the ego, which is a good thing to do. And again, there are good practitioners that are still living in mind mostly, but it's more limited. But I also think it's the resonance. It's the presence. It's the vibing with your higher self, you know, which is just made of unconditional love because it's that resonance that people feel. And I also, you know, I've been told again and again, healing is witnessing. A lot of healing is witnessing. Yeah. And so when you have someone who is powerfully in that space of witnessing, you know, it helps you come out and, and be the witness for yourself. You know, I think that's what's so powerful in my mind. Yeah. No, and I think it's the most important thing. And yeah, a thousand percent in my own life. And my, my story is not that unusual. Right. But when I first experienced this, then I couldn't not experience it anymore. Right. So I was working in China in a vegetable export company. I was general manager of a vegetable export company living in China with six small kids, which is definition of craziness, but that's another story. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, after a year or so living in China, my wife Kim and I decided it was too hard on the kids. So they moved to live in New Zealand, which is a beautiful place, and I stayed on to finish off my contract in this business, right? And it was really difficult. I bet. <laughs> and the business was failing. And I used to go sit by a, what was called a fish farm, which was just a dirty pond that people were, you know, breeding fish in. In China, that's in 1996. So it's a very different China than it is today. Anyway, I used to go and sit there and meditate and pray. And, and you know, I, 
I was raised an Anglican, right, very traditional kind of uh, Christian upbringing, and I, you know, my prayers were very Anglican, right, you know, I'm sorry that I'm such a sinner and please God help the world and, you know, right. insert here all the things that are wrong with me. And one night I was sitting there and I just began to abuse God, like, and I don't swear a lot, but and I won't repeat what I said, <laughs> but I used every swear word that I've got and just had it out with God, like I was totally over it, right? And after about half an hour of just totally screaming at God, I just was overcome with how much I was loved, mm. right? And I had this experience, kind of God saying to me, finally. Oh. <laughs> so finally you asked me, you asked for the real deal. Finally you got honest, right? Wow. And I had that that experience that, that changed my life, actually, right? Because I could not see, every time I see a human, I see how much they're loved. That's beautiful. So that's how I ended up here. It's scary in the beginning. It was like, oh, my God, I can't see anybody the same anymore, right? Particularly early on, I'd meet people and burst into tears, you know? <laughs> it's like, okay, who who's the weird guy who shakes hands and bursts into tears, you know? Because you felt the overwhelming about how much they were loved. Yeah, exactly, right? So that's the real healing. Absolutely. A thousand million jillion percent. I know that's not possible, but I have my own math. Yeah, that's it. That's the whole deal. And if you get a glimpse of that, if you are in the resonance with that for only a moment, it'll change everything. And everything else is just the icing on the cake. And I like the icing too, yeah. even though I can't muscle test, but I still like it. <laughs> yeah. No, because I think we're meant to enjoy being healed and we're meant to be enjoy being humans, right? So yeah. So it's all about knowing how loved you are. I think that is the beginning and the end and the middle and in all of the everything. Oh, this has been so much fun. I'm mindful of time and sad to see it passing because I have so many more questions. So I say this every single time, but we'll we'll probably have to do this again or at least continue our conversation another time. I'd love that. But I ask everybody on the show, uh, how do you experience your intuition? I think a few different ways, but the main way is I I feel it. And some people say, what, do you feel it physically? I don't actually feel it physically. I just feel something about that person or about what's going on or any given situation. I feel something, right? And as I began to trust that, then I, you said before, because often our ego mind will want to take ownership of that, right? I'm feeling this. I get an insight. And the ego wants to go check me out. I've, I've figured it out, right? So I've got better at kind of setting that aside and going, what is that? And usually I, it involves a pause, right? I just I pause and stuff comes, right? Stuff, information comes, and then I just share it with people, you know, if, if I'm in a situation to share it, you know, with a client. Right. But it'll happen all kinds of places where it's not appropriate to share it, right? So <laughs> I won't. <laughs> right. But, yeah, that's a, a sense of understanding, yeah. I love that. It's beautiful. When I had my very first intuition development class, I'm such a kinesthetic knower. So I feel energy moving. Like we talked about, you know, I could feel Heather working on my jaw this morning, but sometimes I just feel energy moving, right? You can feel the shift. You can feel when someone's telling the truth and when they're not. It's, I just feel it. I don't know how to describe that. It's a kinesthetic knowing, but my first class, I've talked about this before on the show, but not for a while. My first class was very visually oriented. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and they were not real keen on empaths. So they would always be like, get out of their emotions. It's not about, and I'm like, but that's not the kind of feeling I mean. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I know exactly what you mean because there is, it's a kinesthetic knowing. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I get words too. I'm I'm a big word nerd, but I think of that as my primary and, and one of my favorite ways of getting information because, you know, it, it bypasses the mind so much more easily than when we're getting words in our head. Yeah, yeah. And I think we are so much more than we think we are. So to think that word, I mean, words can be, words are important because, you know, it's kind of the it's a paradox, right? Because you have the you have the experience of wordless understanding, right? And then then you've got to describe it, where you've got to use words. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's, <laughs> okay, let's let's not talk about something. You know, it's like why Ramana Maharshi was you know mute for many years. Didn't you know as a great guru who didn't say anything, right? right? Because there's no words, right? And then you try to find words. It's like well, close, you know. But then that's what we got. We got words, and but I, again. I think if we are there for love, people will understand. Yeah. I love that. That's a beautiful place to almost stop. Ian, if people feel called to work with you, to learn more about what you do, any of that good stuff, tell me and tell them how to find you and what that would look like. Uh, sure. Well, um, so I've got a website, which is called www.theclearmindway.com. Okay. Theclearmindway.com. All right. Yeah. And they can go there and there's stuff there. They find out about me, how I work. They can book a session, all, all that good stuff. Yeah. Love that. And we'll have all that information as always in the show notes. Anything else, any parting words, anything we didn't get to that, you know, you want to make sure that listeners grab onto before uh, we let this thing go? There's nothing wrong with them, essentially. I love that. I agree with that again, a million percent. You are love incarnate. How could there be anything wrong with that? Yeah. This is such a fun conversation. I'm so glad we got to do this. I am so grateful for everybody for tuning in because, you know, that's why I get to do this. And if you want to learn more about um, these wonderful guests, join us over on Facebook and the Intuitive Connection community. If you love what you're hearing and you want to help this information get to fresh sets of eardrums, write us a review on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice, because that really, really helps with those algorithms and whatever you do. Thanks for tuning in and have a wonderful day and namaste. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Dendy-Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, 
and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.